The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to ZPod, an outreach ministry of Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. ZPod is focused on addressing worldview issues relating to the millennial generation and their children, Generation Z. Every indwell believer needs to know who they are in Christ. In our new series, Gen Z, we'll do just that, equipping all generations through the mind of Christ. Thank you for joining us today. This is part B. It unfolds the partnership with Barna Group and Impact 360 and IOM America. Hi, my name is Jonathan Morrow and I'm the Director of Cultural Engagement for Impact 360 Institute. And we get to work with this generation, equipping them in biblical worldview and leadership. And we are passionate about seeing them follow Jesus for a lifetime. Uh, but we also wanted to see a kind of a snapshot and a lens of this generation, Gen Z. What do they think about the big questions of life? What are the big shaping influences in their life? How do they view reality? What are their assumptions? And so we've been working with the Barna Group for the last year on a study on Gen Z. And we're so excited to kind of, kind of get a picture of how they view reality. And so I'm so excited to be here with David Kinneman, who's the president of the Barna Group. And uh, you know, you've been working with generations, American generations, studying them for the last 20 years and all these different angles and lenses. So really appreciate working with you and your team. Thanks, I'm here. It's been fabulous. And so, you know, today we're talking a little bit about technology and how that's kind of shaping them, you know? I mean, it's kind of obvious. That's one of the obvious characteristics people talk a lot about, about Gen Z is how technology is shaping them. But maybe what are some unique ways that, that technology has shaped uh, this generation? Well, clearly, this is the first generation that's been raised with the Internet, and that's one of the things that is the defining characteristic of Generation Z. Uh, you know, sort of they, their parents had technology when they were kids. They were actually raised with screens. They never took a road trip without a screen. I don't think as a dad I would want to take a road trip without a screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is the first generation that has been raised with screens as part of their sort of daily experience. So that's shaped a lot about them. I mean, we know that a majority of teens have a smartphone. Uh, and they, they tell us from the research that they actually go to bed with their, their smartphones. They actually they wake up to it and go to bed with their smartphones in their rooms. Um, and so this is changing all the rules in terms of how they interact with institutions and content and knowledge uh, and even a lot of the relational aspects of their lives. They're, they're sort of the, the first sort of screenagers and that's, that's one of the, the ways that we've been, we've been spending a lot of time studying them. Um, we find there's a lot of research now that's sort of emerging, still a whole body of research about the effect of the screen age on teenagers, but some of the early indications is that they're, they have greater anxiety, more depression, they're lonelier, uh, they're more likely to be bullied online. And so the report that we worked on with you guys really takes a, an overview of, of what happens with this generation 
how does technology seem to influence the spiritual lives and sort of their social views when it comes to their perceptions of reality. And you know, another thing, you know, I get to work with a lot of teenagers and, and I know, you know, at Impact 360 Institute we talk about how parents are still a very major shaping influence in young people's lives, as they should be, especially in this area of technology though, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you know, they're watching mom and dad, but they don't put put down the phone sometimes right. or they they've always got it with them or do one more email or more work or things like that and maybe even you know, teenagers can get jealous almost of that attention. But what, what are some maybe some 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 kind of things you're you're seeing around those dynamics of parents and then their their students? Well, I think this is the first generation. Millennials were raised with screens in some ways, but their parents didn't have them as uh, often as as today's Gen Z does. Um, so it's like we're not just it's not just that this next generation is part of the screen age. It's like everyone is part of the screen age. Even the grandparents and the great grandparents are using their screens as well as the parents and the students. Um, so I think that's one of the big shifts is that everyone is living in this immersive screen reality. Um, some more than others based on individual preferences, but everyone is doing it. Your your parents are doing it. You know, you're you're just every, every, you're looking at recipes in the kitchen. You're watching streamed television. You know, there's just it's just all always on. Um, so that's a big part of it. And and then you think about the implications of that for people in ministry. And a lot of what this new report is designed to do is to tease out and begin to look at this next next generation in a new way. Um, and you think about Google as the primary sex educator of today's generation. That's what we're that's learning is this this notion of you know the access that students have to these kinds of private questions that in the past they would have gone to their parents or they would have found out from friends or they would have had a conversation. But now it's like the privacy of their phone um, you know allows them to do that. We're, we're starting to hear reports of young people using YouTube as their as their counselor. Like, how can I diagnose uh, you know whether I whether I'm dealing with depression, clinical depression? And these are very human questions that people are wrestling with, even and especially young people. But they're going to their their uh, their phones to basically sort out like meaning and anxiety and a life well lived and all these other questions that usually would go to a relational network to find. And that's I think what's what's new and different about this uh, this the experiences of Generation Z. Yeah, you know, and, and every cultural moment has both opportunities mm -hmm. and challenges. We've talked about a lot of the challenges, some of the scary things around technology. But what are some some of the positives around you know? The, the being digital natives and technology and, and, and all of those opportunities for this generation? Well, I think it's an important point and it's easy for us, I think, to, to like land on some of those things that concern us, especially as parents, yeah. right? You know, because we have, we have teenagers ourselves and recognizing that it's a, a difficult reality is, is we, we get it, it is. Yeah. But there's incredible opportunities. I mean, they're more connected, they're more informed. Uh, I mean, my kids are asking great questions, uh, things I mean, I didn't think about that at your age. And so it invites us into this great opportunity of, of having these deeper conversations with our kids, of, of providing them with a deeper network, a, a more um, lived reality of, of what faith means for us. And uh, so, so when you think about even calling these young people into lives of ministry and mission, uh, you know, I think we get a chance to expose them to something of a, of a bigger world of what God's doing in the world. Um, and so, so screens become a great ally for us uh, as Christians, but we have to learn how to live faithfully with that. And I think that's, again, the great question that Generation Z is posing to us as Christians. How, how can we live faithfully uh, in the screen age? Absolutely. And, and we have an opportunity to learn from them because they see the world in ways that we don't see. They, we've been habituated to see it in a certain way right. um, with certain blind spots, and, and, and they kind of can help 
kind of coach and mentor us in some ways and some things to see, which is really exciting. Yeah. So, it, I mean, there's tons of stuff in the study. I'm so excited about it and kind of share more about how we can encourage and equip and empathize with this generation and how to help set them up for success in the future. So we got a problem. The formation of Gen Z is also known as Centennials. That term's falling out real fast, thankfully. Post-millennials, that one is still very popular. The plurals, I didn't even know what that was until after I read this statement. So I had to go dig that up. But the, it's the first culture that is actually going to be grown up, raised up in plurality of gods as a menu. Millennials fought their parents and their religious beliefs. The Z's will actually be raised in a pluralistic spiritual reality. Then the homeland generation, that is directly connected to a government label, is that this particular culture is under all of the new homeland security issues, which comes a lot of beliefs. Our president literally fights those issues daily. So that's what they mean by that. And then Teco kids, that kind of explains itself. What would you say if I could actually prove to you a four-year-old laying in bed, holding their teddy bear and phone, and the little kid is having a discussion with Google. Would that be weird to you? Do you know how many lonely kids there are in the world? Who are left to themselves and all they've got is a relationship with the internet? That's what those men are talking about. Now this is their introduction video. So it's very light. The research is not light. It's very burdensome. But you know me. I grab and go. The demographics of this generation are children of millennials. Since it is a fresh generation in the making, our precise timeline of their demographics is still up for grabs. But most are saying it's right around year 2000. So that puts them basically from 0 to 17 years of age, which I agree with them. It's hard to section off cultures in a timeline, particularly, because they overlap so much. But this is a safe place for us to start, start looking at 0 to 17-year-old children. And you will begin to see some of the stuff we're going to unpack for you over the next few weeks. Our next slide shows us this. A significant aspect of this generation is their widespread internet use from a young age, as the video was telling us. Members of Generation Z are typically thought of as being comfortable with technology, interacting on social media websites for a significant portion of their socializing. Because of this dependency, 
They are known for being extremely insecure and unsettled. A parent could literally stop them in their tracks and they don't become agitated, they become irritated and explosive. That's what the research is showing us. They're becoming a very violent generation. I'm going to show you a pictorial next week of what happens when you intrude on someone's worldview. This is from 40 years of counseling. We're going to put it in this context. Because when a parent who's listening to podcasts like this one are actively researching good research like from Barney Group, and they're wanting to do something about this stuff that's being said, they see it in their children. So they are stepping from a worldview into the child's worldview at six years of age. And the child actually feels an intrusion by their very parent. The child has to make a decision whether they're going to allow this parent to intrude on their worldview who lays in bed and talks to Mrs. Google like she's a person, like she's a God, saying the evening prayers to Mrs. Google. I'm going to show you the video. It's unbelievable, but it is wholly, completely believable to me because I understand children. They need a God right out of the chute. They need a God, they need a mommy, they need a daddy, and they need to be told what to do and what to believe. They cannot be left to their own minds that are not even formed. Because someone's going to pick it up, like Mrs. Google. But who runs Mrs. Google? These are serious questions we're asking that need serious answers. They end up being socially backward while at the same time exhibiting aggressive, rude, disrespectful toward parents and other civil authority figures. Anyone who steps from their adult worldview into their worldview is going to pay. Now right now, you're just thinking this is some kind of wild, crazy preacher just throwing out some scare tactics to you. Well, that's why I'm going to give you and we're going to unfold for you the real deal. Do you care, listener, if your child is praying to an internet nothingness? Do you care that your child is asking you while you're off doing whatever it is you do, and your child is running freely about their day with a smartphone in their hand, asking Google questions all day long, and you don't even know what this teacher is teaching your child. And honestly, at 602-292-2982, I don't think you care. 
Because I know people that I have even ministered to for a very long time and they are not doing parental control on their children's devices or other places where they're getting educated. They just don't care. That is the norm, I'm afraid. But those parents who are listening saying, well, I'm not one of those. I use parental controls. I am concerned about this issue. I do see it in society. I'm right there with you. I say, thank you, Jesus. But I'll bet there's not very many of you. In fact, I'll bet that some of you have even turned the podcast off already. Or quickly will do something after you get preached at to forget what was preached to you. It's a technique humans tend to enjoy. Here's our next slide. It is estimated that over 150,000 apps. Now, I have designed an app. I know the hard work that goes into an app, and my app is pretty boring. Now, I'm going through this again for creating a Z app. And that's what it's going to be called. To attract many of the Zers who are getting their counsel online. Who are getting their pastoral advice online. But there's been 150,000 apps designed especially for Zers. Zero through 17 years of age. Probably more since I got that statistic for my book. So this is a real deal. This is a money maker. Do you know how quick a child will click on a little button that looks kind of fun and funky on a game and they've charged your Google account? Mommy? Daddy? Grandpa? It's happened to me. All they want to do is go to the next level with, with their Jeep. And I had to share with my grandson, honey, you just made me pay $1.99 for that Jeep. Because I got open access to Google with my stuff. That was my fault. Not their fault, because they just wanted to get a different Jeep. That's what's happening in all apps. Advertisements are not illegal. To get a free app, you have to have ads. You want to get rid of the ads, you buy our app. Good system, huh? That's why I buy apps. I get sick of the ads. So as one guy said to me a few months ago, he says, why don't you go and see what the leading marketing company, which I printed all their stuff legally in my book, go ask them who they're going after. Ask them what their, their marketing groups are. And that's what I printed. Every single one of these cultural groups they design apps for. From Dylan's all the way to the porn store. And they buy into these rights with the apps. So that as these ads flash over these apps, hopefully someone will accidentally click on it and they'll get their $1.99 
Children cannot separate that kind of deception, can they? So when they click on something, they just want another Jeep. Whereas we got to look at, there's just so many ads all over that, that after you finish that level of the game, I I had to take the phone from him and go, what's free? And I am 62 years old, and I can't figure out what's free on that screen. So I'm like, I think it's this one, cowboy. (laughs) Well, that's today. Put 10 years on this. And you'll have virtual reality of doing that to your helmet and it'll throw you into another level. Don't believe me? You will. They're doing it with eye movement. This is the technology that our children and grandchildren are going to be facing. Let's take a look at our next slide. One of the leading concerns with the Techo kids is the exposure to all these adult advanced images which require advanced thoughts, which requires advanced processing. And this, these rings that I'm going to be showing you next week is according to wits, which is known by most as wisdom. The closer that you are into this core, the less wits you have. It's like handing a tablet to a three-month-old. You say, now what idiot would do that? Well, we're going to show you something. The percentage of millennial parents that put their children to bed with a screen in their crib Flashing images of grandma and grandpa, mommy, daddy, selecting classical music as they're laying there or sleeping. Having the screen voice activated through crying. It's popular. Just because you live in Podunk, Kansas, does not mean that the rest of the world does. They're trying things with training up children with the screens in ways that most of us locals are like, what? Really? There's a virtual kitchen coming out. Unbelievable. I went and looked at it, researched it, and I want one. The countertops is our screens. They're shatterproof. They're, you know, they're like my, my new moto. But better. The refrigerator is already, they've already started that, but the one that I viewed on this link is the in front is all screen. So you can put grandkids, pictures, you know, do your normal thing, but it's all done by screens. And when you lay your phone on the counter, it charges. So you can have recipe up over here. You can have, you know, a picture of grandma over here. You can work here, you know, and read. It's all there. 
Now, that's kind of funky, fun technology, and if anyone could afford that $400,000 kitchen, it would be awesome, but that's what we have to look forward to. Because everyone wants the latest device. And they build things to only last for a year, not two years. Because they know the average person is going to tolerate their wicked little device after the first year because they don't want to turn that thing back in. So I'm going to hang on to it as long as I can so I don't have to pay upgrade fees. Two-year mark. So the phones have to start dying at the year mark and acting up. They pull back updates, software updates. All that stuff is done on the second year. So at the end of the second year, you walk in and go, I want a new phone. It's slow, it's this, it's that, you, you know. I'm guilty of it. I have always had Motorola's latest cutting-edge phone for at least 20, 30 years. I know that. When I go to buy a phone, I call Motorola. Personally. I say, now, I'm about ready to do an upgrade here on my phone, and I only go with Motorola, so you got to tell me what's coming out and how long i got to wait. Oh, wait till you get this Moto... Z Force edition. Man, it can really make your life easy. Well, when's it coming? So then I wait and I go in and that's why I do my upgrade because I like devices. So that leaves us with how are we going to use this stuff? Are we going to use it to lead our children into being sexually abused online by someone who's pretending to be a 12-year-old and really... They're 45 years old and they're some kind of pervert, but they know how to appeal to a child and so they're using all the verbiage and the texting that looks like their age and they're leading that child deeper and deeper in. In fact, statistics shows us that many of these kids are led to the mall, meeting these people at certain places and the child is now missing. So setting our children up to be sexually exposed either by images or by communications and ultimately could even be physically assaulted by people who have been using the internet. If you knew how easy it was for a child to use passwords and sign into things versus someone who consistently changes their password to protect their profile, it's ridiculous how different they are. You can get at a child anytime you want. So that sets us up for another issue. And this issue is, if you are a conservative parent and you have released your child to this internet world to let them train up your children and you try to stop this process because you're actually getting re-educated, you're up for a serious crisis, maybe even assault. There's only one way to handle an abused device of a child, is to destroy it. Every link, every password, they're done. It's the only way.
That's what you're faced with. If you are an abusive parent by allowing your children to have control over their devices. Because you can rechange passwords and whatever and you don't understand the internet has footprints. If I change a password, it's, it has a footprint. It's like sliding through the snow. And you say, now I'm secure because I came up this real crazy password. You know, and it's about that long. So, if someone wants to get your children, they're going to get them. So you have to believe that and understand that and not be overprotective, but just to be properly protective. Don't hand them a device that is used to control and manipulate an entire culture. I'm of the personal belief that it is an excuse for parents to use my eight-year-old as a cell phone because it's for security reasons. Really? Do you know how you've increased the risk of losing your son by giving him that device versus doing what we have always done for 2,000 plus years? Do our job? Be engaged in our children. This is what slipped us into this generation problem. It's stupid logic. That's what it is. So I am of the belief that if I was to reset my generation, But this is what I would preach. I wasn't preaching it then because I didn't see this coming. But I would say no cell phones until you're 18 years of age. And computer usage is going to be classroom only. Still being in a techo world and protecting your child. Where we got this for security reasons, you know what that's all about? The millennials out playing somewhere. They want to know where their kid is because they're being irresponsible. They're working too long, they're with someone else, they're a little dog leash to their child. So is the new apps that are coming out that runs your household and cameras in each room knowing where your kid is and the kid's only seven and he's left to a room, a house, a neighborhood and he's safe and secure because of your security system through the app. That's where we're going. Let's take a look at our next slide. Our zeers are deceived into thinking that relationships can be gained through posted knowledge. So the bottom line is, if they post a message, someone replies to the message, maybe gets a thumbs up, then that is a good start to a relationship. Then that person gets picked out as a friend, and then you send more and more personal data to your friend list, they start responding, reposting or retweeting your stuff, and then it goes from there. Now you say, what happens to something after it's been retweeted? 
that data is stored. Every text, every phone call, every viewable image, every posting is stored. Not hidden. It's just that people don't care. Everybody is trackable. Every All your footprints are, are everywhere. All links to your footprint. So go burn up your computer. You've done nothing. This is a world where walking through the gates too. And people have been retarding themselves saying, I don't use it so it doesn't affect me. Really? How selfish can you be? So you throw your grandchildren or your neighbor's kids into the mix and just, well, whatever, it's their lives. Really? I can't live like that. So when some guy says to me, how come you won't Skype? The strongest imprint on the internet is images. The most vulnerable form of imprint on the internet is images. Guys like me in ministry and businesses tag images. We tag the daylights out of a picture. My picture of my face is 10 years old on the internet. I want it that way. And there is endless words tagged to that poor picture. IOM, IOM America, ministry, identity, identity, and every word I possibly could think of that has anything to do with our mission gets tagged to our images that you see on our website. Why? Because I know how it works. Well, what about your pictures? You think they don't get tags? You ever notice the number coding on your pictures when you receive a picture or send it out? It's called coding. That's what's saved. They can gather the picture from the coding. A website is just codes. Every picture, every link, every article, it's just codes. I just happen to learn coding enough to know what they're doing. So all this is very important when it comes to the basic of, of understanding technology is that when you do the number one leading fashion, digital fashion uh, statement that is out there today is called selfies. Right? Very popular. They're clueless of what's happening. You think they get lost out in your cloud account that doesn't exist? You know what a cloud account is? It's a mainframe owned by whoever. There's no cloud. There's no satellite up there holding on to your pictures, your selfies. So this is an issue that we have to look at. You say, well, I'm never going to take a selfie again. It doesn't matter. Did you take selfies in the past? So I'm not going to live a paranoid life. I'm going to send photos I think are fun and cute to people. I'm going to receive them, whatever. But I'm not going to ignorantly walk into a company's resource that 
abuses my data for some other kind of reason. No one is going to walk out of this auditorium tonight and, and close the account. By the way, you can never close your account. Ever. All you can do is suspend it. All the data, every picture, every posting, in and out, is saved in your account in case you change your mind and get beyond your impulsive decision on dropping them. And you reopen the account and guess what's there? Everything you've ever posted. And companies all over the world do it that way. You can close off everything tonight when you go home. Nothing's closed. So I use these certain companies for that reason. Okay. If you're never going to close my account and my imprint, I'm going to pack it full of the exchange life, Christ is life stuff. We're going to leave a footprint that'll go on until God decides to shut everything down. That's why we do what we do. And it's working, by the way. Zers are deceived into thinking that relationships can be gained through posted knowledge. The average preteen has active social network accounts, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what we were just going through there. And then they get addicted to the thumbs up or the reply or whatever the case may be. So, the new craze is this Snapchat. It's extremely fast. It's instant. People love it. Instagram used to be the fastest Snapchat type of company. They're not anymore. I'm sure they'll try to catch up. But it is that same concept. As people don't want to read text anymore, they want a silly picture. But if you would see the types of pictures that teens send today, they probably wouldn't be viewed by yourself as silly. So there we have a crisis against the federal government and the laws that we have in place and what we consider to be minor and what we consider to be adult content, which is going to require someone making some serious moves on protecting the minors in this country. And guess what that is? You'll be hearing more about it. Your children won't be able to have smartphones until a given age, which will probably be 16. Same, their argument in Washington, D.C. is, why do you have laws about children smoking and when they can buy a pack of cigarettes and we're exposing our four-year-olds to pornography 24-7 and allowing these advertisers to come in and get these kids to make use of that finger and tap things they shouldn't be tapping. So it will move its way all the way up to politics. It already is there. And of course the liberals are going to say, leave us alone, we'll decide what our children should see and not see, but I'm afraid that doesn't work. It always ends up with someone needs to adjust some laws. Our identity statement for tonight is... Youth as a whole are under the false identity and reality that the internet is an effective tool to gain social skills. 
They are deceived into thinking that they can apply those tools to life situations, kind of like what the gentlemen were saying in our video. That's where they go for their counselor, their spiritual leader, etc. Some kids even praying to Mrs. Google. And they pass on what the internet has taught them, like it's the absolute truth. The problem is, statistics show us their ability to gain personal and identity comes from those that are actually teaching them. That will never change, no matter how hip or modern a generation will get. Identity comes from whoever's teaching you. So the question is, who's teaching our children? Further that the enemy can get our children away from us as parents and grandparents teaching them, Next level would be quality, spiritual, Bible-believing, biblically solid Christian schools. And finally, to turn a public school so incredibly liberal and using devices that it would destroy your children at school. We do have a crisis. And I hope our listeners will step up with this to address this Get friends involved, neighbors. Start listening not just to this podcast, Z-Pod, but also other podcasts like from Barna Group and Impact 360 where you can learn not only about the topic and the dangers, but you could have some solutions given to you on what to do. Next week, we're going to actually start the process of looking at the parents of the Zers. This could be a very painful podcast. Until next week. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.